I'm Bijan Karimi. Welcome to The Reflecting Pool, where I discuss thesis research being done by CHDS students, how the topic relates to the broader Homeland Security enterprise, and what it's like to be part of the master's program. Sean Harwood is a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, which is part of DHS. After college, he was working at a think tank but was bored, so he applied to the U.S. Border Patrol and jumped off a desk and onto a horse. His career has taken him to Atlanta, London, D.C., and he is soon headed for China. We had our interview in the expansive lobby of Herman Hall on the NPS campus. The building was constructed in the Spanish style, with tile floors and ironwork fixtures. Sean came to CHDS with an open mind in order to better understand his place in Homeland Security. This allowed him to soak up information on a broad spectrum of topics, which helped as he developed his thesis. I came to the program with a pretty open mind, I, and I think that was important uh, because I was able to sort of soak up as much information across a broad spectrum of, of topics. However, in the introductory class, the very first class we took with Chris Bellavita, uh, one of the things that he emphasized is critical thinking and never being satisfied with a, a singular definitive answer to a problem or a task. It was fascinating to learn that SOPs began in the 1800s in the German military and have since become foundational for militaries and businesses worldwide. What was your interest in writing about standard operating procedures, or SOPs? An indelible part of the way we do business, whether it be emergency response or budgetary measures, uh, we follow standard operating procedures, which is great in a, in a very predictable static environment. However, when you apply that to any sort of highly influenced environment, particularly a crisis, you end up with a very unpredictable situation. An SOP, which is a prediction-dependent function of our government, being applied to a prediction-defiant environment. You observe that businesses have changed how they use SOPs, yet in government, specifically crisis response, it seems SOPs have largely remained the same. Why do you think that is? In business, I think uh, you're motivated to identify any ways to make yourself more efficient, more effective. The private industry is always seeking for the next way to get a leg up on the competition. And government tends to resist that type of change until there is something significant that happens, illuminating the need for change. Someone has to die before the government really gets motivated to make a change. When describing your research challenge, you talk extensively about predictability and unpredictability. Explain how that relates to complicated versus complex incidents. A complex system versus a complicated system is a question of relationships and influences. A complicated system uh, is a linear system. Think of it as the assembly line on an old factory floor. It's one-to-one -one relationship. Now, when you have a complex system, what you have there is a very nonlinear, random set of relationships that all can influence each other in unpredictable, innumerable ways. Uh, picture a ball floating in space. Uh, with a num an innumerable number of other balls uh, hitting it and bouncing it this way and that way. It's impossible, especially from the outset, to uh, predict what path that ball will eventually travel. You describe the concept of a complex adaptive system. What is that and how is it related to an adaptive SOP? 
So complex adaptive systems is a survival methodology for agents operating in a complex system. Your environment is going to change in ways that you can't predict, but if you're ready for that and you're constantly looking for ways to get your job done, that's the way you survive. A fundamental weakness of SOPs is the application of static doctrine to highly variable emergencies. You looked at September 11th, Hurricane Katrina, and Fukushima Daiichi as case studies. Walk me through one of them as you saw it and highlight where SOPs were helpful and where an adaptive SOP might have been a more effective tool. Well, first off, this is playing armchair quarterback. So as long as you're willing to accept the caveat that this is unfair to the people that were uh, dealing with unique situations in the moment, I will proceed. So the morning of 9-11, the first flight starts demonstrating these aviation anomalies. It makes changes that weren't expected. It, re it doesn't respond to communications. The transponder goes off. Within 15 or 20 minutes, they have enough information to identify that the plane has been taken and they engage in a hijacking protocol. If you had been able to engage adaptive approach to this, you might have recognized a hijacking operates in a certain set of ways. First off, he will stay in communication. He, will, he or she will have demands. He or she will not hide because they're making a statement. Air traffic controllers in that moment were so stuck on the hijacking SOP that they were trying to embrace that they were unable to step outside of that sort of tunnel vision to recognize some fairly obvious truths that we can see in hindsight. An adaptive approach prepares you for the unexpected. Early in your thesis, you talk about the Chicago PD active shooter SOP and then describe how to convert it to an adaptive SOP. There are a number of very specific actions that, that a responding officer is ordered to take. Check in with headquarters, develop as much on-scene intelligence as you can, form a team and go get them with emphasis on any delays could and, and likely would result in loss of life. It's a very simple SOP. Here's the problem. People rely on rules, and when there are rules for them to follow, they tend to not think outside the box. It's a common and understandable response. However, if you're instructed to grab a team, go through a door, and charge directly in the, towards the sound of shots being fired, you're not being instructed to think critically. One of the resources you cite is Kendra and Wachtendorf. They state, Advanced planning and preparedness are the backbone of disaster response, but creativity enhances the ability to adapt to demands during a crisis. How does a responder recognize when they're involved in a complex incident and change their mindset? In my mind, if you go in expecting change and the need to adapt, but the scenario plays out as predicted, you've lost nothing. Uh, however, if you walk into uh, a situation expecting change and anticipating the need to adapt, you're mentally prepared to act on that instinctive level. I would say that every SOP should ideally incorporate the promotion of adaptability and the expectation of change. It should always be go into it expecting it to change, expecting that I'm going to have to modify my plan. An adaptive SOP must promote concepts of adaptive leadership. In order to develop an adaptive SOP, 
you make two different design proposals. In the proposal section of my thesis, I conceived an idea called the adaptability prompt. Effectively, within the checklist structure of an SOP, it in integrates basically reminders that your initial assumptions will change to reassess periodically. And every time a change or an evolution is identified, the plan must be modified. That would be the crisis co-pilot, um, effectively an ad hoc advisor. And their role is to remind and counsel the team leader to engage critical thinking in the field. What CHDS class helped you most with your thesis? Well, of course, I have to loop back around and, and give credit to Dr. Bellavita uh, for his introductory class um, that really is promoting uh, concepts of critical thinking, both in, our, in the Homeland Security Enterprise, but as well uh, in pursuit of, of graduate level education. Uh, later classes on strategy and policy development and implementation also helped inform some of the later chapters. I, I tried to, to draw a little bit from every class uh, and, and engage it. Someone may read the application and think this is a huge undertaking. What advice do you have for someone considering the program? Commit to the program and put yourself on a schedule. Um, it's a lot of writing, it's a lot of reading, but it's something you can stay ahead of. I know there's a lot of, a lot of people with great ideas um, at this stage in the game that are now rushing to put words on paper and it does them a disservice and does a disservice to uh, the literature that they're gonna produce. Just a few weeks after interviewing Sean, I read Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande, written in 2011. Atul's research also explores the challenges of operating in a complex environment, whether it's flying a plane, constructing a business, or performing surgery. He advocates the use of checklists to help teams methodically address routine tasks so they can focus on the identification of unexpected events and how they will respond if they occur. I hope you've enjoyed hearing about Sean Harwood's thesis, Adaptive Standard Operating Procedures for Complex Disasters. For more information on this research, visit the Homeland Security Digital Library and search for Adaptive SOP. The Center for Homeland Defense and Security is the nation's homeland security educator and part of the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California. For more information on the CHDS Masters, Executive Leadership, or other academic programs, browse to www.chds.us.